0: morning as we've gathered together to, uh, to worship, and our, uh, our call to worship this morning will come from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52, beginning in the 13th verse. Later in service, we'll be looking at Peter's sermon, the second Christian sermon that's recorded for us in the book of Acts that he delivered after the uh, healing of the man who had been uh, uh, born lame and uh, for over 40 years old, had never walked, and uh, the Lord granted him a gracious healing and enabled him to walk and leap and praise the Lord, and a great crowd gathered, and uh, Peter... Preached a, a sermon, and in that sermon he he refers to Jesus as the Lord's servant, God's servant. Apply, you know, reflecting back on uh, uh, passages in the Old Testament that talked of the Lord's the Lord's servant, and we see that in Isaiah chapter fifty-two verse thirteen. Isaiah 52, 13. behold, my servant shall deal prudently; he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his vigils was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths in at him, for what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no former comeliness, that when we see Him there is no beauty, that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. But surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray together. Well, God, we're so thankful this morning that we can gather together in this place that you provided for us, Lord, and come together as a as a church as a body of Christ, as a family of faith, as a community of grace and and first share our lives together, and then Lord share our hearts and worship of you and Lord, we do pray that you would grant us grace during these days, Lord, that you would help us as we seek to uh, navigate so many different uh, Decisions that we're forced to make, Lord, and we pray that you grant us wisdom and grace as we seek to uh, be your people in these days. And Lord, to uh, still experience your peace and your joy, even in days that might be uh, tumultuous to us. And so, Lord, we pray for your grace. We do pray for those who are sick, Lord, we pray for healing for those that are struggling with illness and disease and Lord, we pray for wisdom for those who are provided treatment to uh, uh to to the sick and and devising plans and doing tests and trying to determine uh, proper diagnosis and treatment plans. Lord, we just pray for wisdom for those those doctors and uh, uh and how they are. Uh, ministering to those that we know and love and so lord we pray for wisdom for them and now we pray for safety for those that are that are health care providers and for all of us as we navigate uh, days of pandemic lord that you would grant us wisdom and safety and grace and Lord, we do pray for uh, those in authority over us as you have commanded us to do lord we pray first and foremost that our leaders would be converted that they would turn from sin and put their trust in Jesus and be born again to new life and filled with your Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them into truth. Lord, we pray for leaders of integrity that would uh, uh, do that which is right, that which is just, that which is true. Lord, we pray for those who advise them that they would speak truth to them. And Lord, we pray for uh, uh, leaders that enact policies that enable us, your people, to live peaceable and quiet lives and so lord we ask your grace to those in authority over us and in, and in times of transition help us not to be robbed of our joy and our peace and lord we're thankful that you are the source of peace and the source of joy as we come together to worship jesus and lord we're thankful for your servant that he humbled himself and became a man we're thankful for uh his sinless life and that though he was tempted in every way that we are, he was without sin and now he can be for us a great high priest and help us when we're tempted. We're thankful that he was obedient even unto death, even death on the cross and we're thankful that by his stripes we are healed, that he took the, the, the punishment that we deserve and Lord, we're thankful for the truth that uh, uh, even though we all like sheep have gone astray, it pleased you to lay on him the iniquity of us all and to crush him under the wrath that we deserved. And we're thankful for that sacrifice. And Lord, we're thankful that you have been pleased to raise him from the dead and uh, highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name and that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And so, Lord, we're thankful for the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would enable us by your spirit, by his spirit, to worship you in spirit and truth this morning. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I'm going to invite you to take out your hymnals and turn with me to hymn 255. In continue our worship, let's uh, take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 3, the book of Acts, the third chapter. And as I said, you know, last week we looked at the, the miracle. There was a man who was over 40 years old that had been born lame, and he had never walked, there had never been a day in his life, he was not a burden to someone, and his friends carried him, and sat him at the gate called Beautiful, outside the temple, so that he could beg from those who were coming to worship, and uh, and hope that some of those who were coming to worship, would show him kindness, uh, by tossing him a few coins, and Peter and John said, well we don't have any silver or gold, we don't have any coins, but uh, uh, what I do have I'll give you, he took him by the hand, and he said arise, and walk, and this man went into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising the Lord. And all these people who had gone to the temple, they'd seen this man uh, for a long time sitting at the gate begging every time they'd come to worship. And now they saw him walking and leaping and praising God and clinging to Peter and John. God had gathered a great crowd. And Peter takes advantage of that crowd, that opportunity to preach the gospel, to speak the gospel. And we have in this text the second Christian sermon recorded for us by Luke. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we see uh, the, the the healing of the man who had been born lame, uh, gave opportunity and prepared the hearts of people to hear the gospel, to hear the good news, and also gave authentication to the messengers and to the message. And so, let's look at that message. We'll go. Uh, we'll read in Acts chapter three, beginning in the eleventh verse and going through the end of the chapter, verse twenty-six, and we'll look at this. Sermon. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Now as the layman who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or, or why do you look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. "...has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled." Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall... Hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our father. Abraham. Our father, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you from your iniquities. Let's pray together. Lord God, once again we stand before your word confessing that it is perfect and, Lord, that it is profitable that is useful to us and sufficient that we might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, Lord, we stand acknowledging the perfection of Your Word and the imperfection of our understanding. And Lord, even as these who Peter's preaching to had the the Bible and, and prided themselves in the knowledge of Scripture, and yet they were ignorant of what it taught. And so, God, we pray that Your Spirit would help us this morning to not be ignorant. But Lord, that Your Spirit would open our understanding and help us to see the truth and to know the truth and to live the truth. Lord, help us to do that which is pleasing in Your sight. May Your Spirit work through Your Word for us to will and to do according to Your good pleasure. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so here we see this sermon. Uh, the second Christian sermon recorded for us in the book of Acts. And like we uh, uh, saw in the first sermon preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this sermon is an expository sermon to expose the truth of the Scripture. And we see the text at the end. Peter kind of preaches the sermon and then brings the text in at the end of his sermon. He's built up to his text. And the text is right there in verse 22. Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And so this sermon uh, shows that they had not listened to the prophet, that God had risen up. And so what did they deserve? They deserved to be utterly destroyed from among the people. And you know, we talked last week about the fact how this man, this man who had been was over 40 years old, he'd been born lame, he was uh, healed by God, and, and we saw how he had asked for a few coins. He had asked for too little. He would asked for a handful of change when what Peter gave him in the name of Jesus, what Jesus gave him through Peter was walking and leaping and praising God. The man asked for too little he asked for a handful of coins when what God wanted to give him was was walking and leaping. And, and you know what? Even asking for walking and leaping is asking for too little. Because the miracle of walking and leaping, a lame man who had been lame for 40 years since birth, him being able to leap and walk is nothing compared to the miracle that God performs every time a dead sinner, a sinner who is dead and, and sins and trespasses, is made alive and given the free gift of salvation by God's th- grace through faith in Jesus. the The real miracle, the greatest miracle of all, is the rebirth, the new birth, the salvation of a lost sinner. And so sometimes we might be content just to walk for as for walking and leaping, when instead we should. Uh, ask for salvation and we should ask for new birth and regeneration by God's grace through faith. We should ask for the gospel to do its work and the gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And so Peter uses this opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to speak the the Gospel. And we'll see that the Gospel begins with God. God, who is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, working out His plan to bless all the families of the earth through, through bringing His servant Jesus into the world. And so God purposed to create for Himself a people that would love Him and, and, uh, and, and glorify Him forever. But, but the Gospel also has the bad news of man's sin, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the Gospel begins with God. God's plan and God's purpose in creation. But we sin and cut ourselves off from God. And the Gospel speaks then of the servant Jesus who humbled Himself, even to death, even death on a cross, satisfying God's wrath against all who would ever come to Him and believe. And then the Gospel speaks of the resurrection from the dead. God raised Him from the dead and they are witnesses. And the the, uh, healing of this man proves that Jesus is alive and still at work in the world. And then the gospel calls for a response, repent therefore and be converted. And I think when we see this text, we see that that the, 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 the good news of the gospel begins with the bad news of human sin. The, the gospel has bad news and good news. And sometimes today, people are tempted to uh, leave half of that out. You know, there are some people who are tempted to leave out the bad news of the gospel, They'll, they'll, they'll say that God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life, but they're afraid of the, uh, you know, the, the bad news of the gospel is that we are sinners, that we have rebelled against the Holy God. The Holy God created us in His own image so we could know Him, and yet we rebelled, we sinned against Him. We, we, we took glory for ourselves that belonged only to God. We sinned, and God is holy and just, and He must punish sin. God will not leave sin unpunished. And we have sinned against God and we deserve nothing from God except His anger. We deserve nothing from God except punishment. We deserve nothing from God except to be cast into hell for all of eternity. The bad news is that we have all sinned and we deserve God's wrath. And so many preachers today want to leave out the bad news of the sinfulness of humans. And just say, God God has a wonderful plan for your life. And they don't want to scare people away. They don't want to call people to repentance. And they want to present Jesus as one who uh, who, who will, will, will save you and not talk about repentance and forsaking your sin and turning away from your sin. They presented Jesus who didn't come to save us from our sin, but but one that might coddle us in our sin. And so... People are tempted to, to, to leave out the bad news so they might have more converts. Well, there's other preachers who are tempted to leave out the good news. You know, they're they're harsh and, and judgmental and call out sin everywhere and anywhere they see it. You've heard of the hellfire and brimstone preachers who, who shout and yell and condemn sin and condemn sinners and pronounce God's wrath and God's judgment. And yet they're... Light on the good news. Proclaiming that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your sin of choice is, no matter how deep you've fallen, how far you've gone, how much you've paid, how utterly and completely and totally sinful you are, the good news is that God will receive all who come to Him in repentance and faith. All who come to Him He will not cast away. No matter how far you've sinned, how long long you've stayed, how much you've paid, when you turn from your sin and come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, God will receive you and blot out your sins and grant you new life. And so there's bad news to the Gospel and there's good news to the Gospel and we need to be careful to, to present both. You cannot bring a person to God until you've brought that person to a full reality a realization of his sinfulness and the fact that he is undeserving and helpless and hopeless to save himself, and he certainly does not deserve God's grace. That grace is God's gift, not based on our performance, but His kindness in Christ. And so there's bad news to the gospel of human sin, and there's good news to the gospel. Uh, There is forgiveness and refreshing and restoration of all things. And Peter brings both. Peter brings both the bad news and the good news. Peter makes it clear that these people are sinful and that they deserve God's wrath. They deserve death. His text. Moses said, You shall hear that prophet, and those who do not hear him shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And he then in the beginning of his sermon, he points specifically to their sinfulness. And I think there's three... Three sins that uh, Peter expressly points out. The first is uh, in response to the healing. They are looking at Peter and John, giving them the honor and glory that is deserving, that God alone deserves. And so Peter rebukes them for giving glory to man that belongs only to God. Look what he says in in verse 12. Men of Israel... Why do you marvel at this, or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? And so the people have come, and, and they're giving honor and glory to Peter and John, as if Peter and John, because they're good or because they're strong and they're powerful that they are the ones who made this man to walk. They are giving glory and honor to Peter and John that, that belongs to God alone. And Peter says, don't look at us. We haven't done this. It is, it is by Jesus' name. Verse 16, His name. Through faith in His name that has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And notice this, yes, the faith which comes through Him. And so not only is it faith in Jesus, but it's faith that has come through Jesus. Jesus is not just the source of the faith, but he is the author of the faith, the giver of the faith. This man, this man didn't expect healing. He didn't believe God for healing. He didn't even ask God for healing. He asked God for, or he asked Peter and John for coins, for change, for some money. He didn't know, he didn't believe. But the faith came. Through Jesus, the faith was in Jesus and through Jesus. Even the faith was a gift of God's grace. And so Jesus is the source of every good thing. And yet the men are looking at Peter and John as if they are the source. And and I think this is a warning for us. You know, we have a tendency a lot of times to look at people... Maybe people that God has been pleased to use as instruments of grace and to exalt those people, those preachers, above what they ought to be. Sometimes we have a tendency to honor and glorify those who simply brought us the Word of God when all glory and honor goes to the Lord alone. Sometimes we have a, have a tendency to honor those who simply planted or to honor those who watered. And not give proper honor to God who gave the increase. We have to guard ourselves against attributing to man what comes from God. And we live in a culture of celebrity pastors. Where people give honor and glory to mere men. Honor and glory to men that belongs to God alone. Yes, God uses men to plant. God uses men to water. But it is God who gives the increase. And all glory and honor belongs to Him and we should not look look to men and give honor to men that belongs to God alone. And if and if those people shouldn't do it to the apostles, how much more should we not do it to the mere men who minister among us, to the mere people who minister among us this day? And so their first sin was they gave glory to man that belonged to God only alone. And then their, their second sin, and this is... Uh, uh, really central and uh, something Peter really emphasized in, in chapter 2. You know, they rejected, they rejected God's servant. They rejected the one that God had ordained would be the only source for salvation. And, and so they rejected Jesus. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this would be a formula that they would have heard all their lives. Remember, this is Jerusalem, and uh, uh, the gospel is just right now just being preached to to Jewish people, to descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they had prided themselves on their their, uh, ethnicity. They had prided themselves on the fact that they were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the children of the covenant. And they thought just by their ethnicity, just because they were born into uh, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they were good to go. And they had heard this formula all of their lives. And, and, And Peter says, well, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified His servant Jesus. We're not talking to you about a different God. We're not talking to you about a different religion. We're just talking about the natural outworking of God's covenant promises to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, the plan that He had ordained before the, the foundation of the earth and that He declared through Moses and Samuel and all the other prophets. God glorified His servant Jesus. He glorified Him. He showed His glory through the miraculous works that He'd done, through the miraculous, wonderful teachings that He gave. Just like we talked about in chapter 2, He attested Him to you as the Messiah through wonders, miracles, and signs. God glorified Jesus and showed that He was the Savior. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah. All the things that the prophet said, Jesus fulfilled. And what did you do? God glorified Jesus, and what did you do? You delivered him up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. Pilate wanted to let him go. Pilate said, this man's not done anything wrong. Pilate said, there's no reason to accuse this man. And what did you do? You demanded that he be crucified. You denied him and demanded that he be killed. And not only that, you demanded that a murderer be released to you in his place. You delivered him up to Pilate and you denied him and you demanded that he be put to death and that a, a murderer be released to you. And Peter shows the, the extent of that sinfulness by the titles that he uses for, for Jesus. The servant of God. As we read in Isaiah, the servant, the one that God had sent to do His work and His will. And Jesus had humbled Himself and became obedient, even unto death, even death on the cross, taking the form of a servant. You delivered Him up to Pilate. You denied Him. And and, and I'm sure as Peter uh, spoke these words, Peter remembered that he too had denied the Lord. He was a sinner speaking to other sinners about where to find a Savior. You denied Him and and, and, and you denied the Holy One. The One who had lived perfectly in a right relationship with God. The One who was set apart to God. Who had perfectly lived a life of holiness. And He was just. He loved His neighbor. And had never violated the law. Even Pilate, the judge, said there's no reason to accuse this man. He's just. He's righteous. He's lived in a right relationship with God. He's the Holy One. He's lived in a right relationship with man and all authorities over him. He is just. And yet you you demanded that a murderer be released to you in the place of the Holy One and the just. And not only is he holy and just, but he is the Prince of life. And the prince, word prince here doesn't just mean ruler. He's the ruler of life, the sustainer of life. But the word actually begins the, means the originator of life. The one who is the source of all real life. And in Him is life. And you denied the source and the sustainer and the master and the Lord of life and demanded that a murderer be released to you instead. You killed the prince of life. And so Peter zeroes in on their sin. You're giving glory to men that belongs only to God and you denied the Holy One, the Just One, the Prince of Life and demanded that He be killed and a murderer released to you instead. Peter's exposing their sinfulness because he knows you can't bring somebody to God until you first show that person the reality of their sin and their sinfulness and their depravity and their helplessness and hopelessness before God. And so he exposes their sin. He preaches the bad news of the gospel. You're sinful. And he doesn't minimize it. He doesn't just skim over it. He doesn't speak in a general way. All have sinned. He is very specific and calls out their sins directly and specifically and shows the horror as it is rebellion against God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob rebellion against god and denying his servant and delivering him up to death peter exposes their sin and then the, and then the third the third sin he exposes is is ignorance now this this was as i was reading through this you know i, I see almost a kind of a change in tone and certainly a change in tone from, from uh, chapter 2 when he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel assuredly know this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. But look what he says in verse, in verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. And so, so Peter says, you know, you were ignorant. But we must see from this sermon... Guess what? Ignorance does not equal innocence. Ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance does not mean that you are not responsible and accountable for your actions. Because he says you've done this in ignorance, but you need to repent and be converted. (laughs) And so he rebukes them for their ignorance because... Ignorance does not mean innocence. Ignorance is not an excuse for their actions. In fact, Peter says, there is no excuse for your ignorance. Why? Well, because God foretold these things by the mouth of all His prophets. God foretold these things that the Christ would suffer and He's fulfilled it. God has spoken of these things by the mouth of all His prophets, verse 21, since the world began. Moses... Not only that, Samuel, verse 24, and all those who have followed. And so you did this in ignorance, but ignorance is not an excuse because there's no excuse for your ignorance. These people, not only did they pride themselves on being descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they prided themselves on their knowledge of the Scriptures. Oh, they could quote the Scriptures that we read. They could quote the Scriptures about the the Christ, about the Messiah. They could quote the Scriptures. They knew the Scriptures. They knew the Scriptures, but they didn't know to whom the Scriptures pointed. You know, and, and, and again, Peter, a sinner speaking to other sinners about where they can find a Savior. They denied the Lord. Peter denied the Lord. They were ignorant, and you know what? For most of the three years, or all of the three years that Jesus walked among them, the disciples were actually ignorant about who Jesus really was. Peter himself. When Jesus said, the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem, and He's going to suffer many things, and He's going to be killed. Peter said, no Lord, that will never happen to you. We will not let that happen to you. And what did Jesus say to Peter? It behind me, Satan. You're ignorant of the things of God. And so they were ignorant, but their ignorance is not an excuse because there's no excuse for their ignorance. And yet, the disciples, even the disciples, all through the ministry of Jesus until the coming of the Holy Spirit, they didn't put it all together. They didn't put it all together. They didn't put all the scriptures about the Messiah, the suffering servant, together. And even though God had spoken of that the Christ would suffer, they didn't put it together. Because they they didn't want to see it that way. They wanted to see a triumphant Messiah, not a suffering servant. They wanted a military and political leader, not a servant, not a slave, not one that would be despised and rejected. They didn't want to see that, so they didn't see it. And even Jesus, on the day of His resurrection, two of His disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus and talking about the things that had happened. And they were sad. And Jesus came up to them and said, what are you guys talking about? And they said, are you the only person in Jerusalem that hadn't heard what had happened about Jesus of Nazareth? We we had hoped He would be the one that would restore Israel, and now He's He's been killed! And Jesus rebuked them saying, Oh, how foolish you are. And of slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. And Jesus opened up the Scriptures concerning Himself. They was there. But they didn't understand. They did it in ignorance. But the ignorance was not an excuse. The ignorance... Does not mean innocence, because there's really no excuse for their ignorance, because God had said. He had said it through the prophets. Moses, Samuel, all that followed him, and even beginning with Abraham, that in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Peter doesn't hold back the bad news of the of the gospel. You have sinned. And you are deserving of God's wrath. You did not hear the prophet that God sent. And therefore, you deserve to be utterly destroyed from among the people. And he points out their sin. You're giving glory to man that belongs to God. You denied the Holy One, the Just One, the Prince of Life, and demanded that a murderer be released to you and the Prince of Life be killed. And you are ignorant of the scriptures and so begins with God God's plan exalting and glorifying his servant the gospel speaks of the sinfulness of man and their helplessness and hopelessness and then the gospel demands a response verse 19 repent therefore and be converted repent therefore and be converted you can't bring a person to God until you bring, them to, bring that person to the reality, the awareness of their sin. And how God has made provision for that sin in Christ Jesus by sending Him to live a sinless life and die on the cross to satisfy the, the wrath that that person deserves. And that God raised Him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and the healing of the man born blind shows that Jesus is alive and still, I mean, born lame, still in the, in the world doing His work. And so why should we respond? Repent and be converted. Two very similar words. Repent. Repentance speaks of the, the mind, the changing of the mind, the changing of the heart, the changing of the attitude. You denied. You denied the Holy One. Well, don't deny Him. Confess Him. You delivered Him up to be killed, but now recognize that that death was purposeful as God God provided a sacrifice for the sins of all who believe and poured out His wrath on Jesus. That He is the Prince of life, that He is the Holy One, He is perfectly righteous, He is perfectly just. Everything that He said was true. Change your mind. Change your heart. Change your attitude. And stop trusting in the fact that you're the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Stop trusting in the fact of your knowledge of the scriptures. Stop trusting in your own self and recognize your helplessness and your hopelessness and cry out to God for mercy and grace. Stop trusting in yourself and put your trust in Jesus. Turn from your sin and cry out to Jesus to save you from the penalty and power of your sin change your mind repent and then the second word be converted a very similar word except it, it speaks more of the outward the repentance is the inward attitude the change of mind the change of heart the change of attitude and be converted change your actions forsake your sin turn away from your sin run away from your sin flee away from your sin and flee to Jesus be converted, be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit who will work within you to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Repent and be converted. And so Peter takes advantage of this opportunity to speak the Gospel. And the Gospel has bad news. The bad news of man's sin, human sin. But it also has good news. When we repent and believe, then there's some good news. And uh, and uh, I don't have time to unpack the good news, but I don't want to be accused of leaving it out. So I'm going to show you the good news and we'll unpack it later. <laughs> there's some good news that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that the Lord may send Jesus, who was preaching before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. And so there's good news. When you repent and be converted, your sins are blotted out. When you repent and are converted, there are times of refreshing that come from the Lord. And we look forward to the ultimate restoration of all things. We'll unpack the good news in weeks to come, but it's there in Peter's message. Peter preached the bad news of sin and the good news of Jesus Christ, bringing forgiveness of sins, a refreshing and restoration that is all a gift of God's grace. Through faith. So, the gospel, you know, we don't want to ask for too little. We don't want to just ask for a handful of coins. We don't even just ask that we win the mega millions lottery. We don't even just want to ask for walking and leaping. We want to ask for our sins to be forgiven and for theirs to be times of refreshing and for God to make everything right. And it's the Gospel that is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. And Peter first speaks of the bad news of the Gospel. And there's some applications for us. You know, are we guilty? We we have to guard ourselves against the temptation of looking to humans and giving honor and glory to humans that belongs to God alone. Sometimes that human might be our own self (laughs) because of who I am, because of where I was born, because of my knowledge of the Scriptures, Uh, I can give glory and honor to myself. I, I think I can save my own self through my good works and my effort and my wisdom and my searching of the Scriptures, my knowledge. We've got to guard ourselves against the temptation of giving glory to man that belongs only to God. We are saved by God's grace through faith. Alone, Nothing, nothing in us. Not our genealogy, not our wisdom, not our, our religion. None of those things were saved by God's free grace through faith. And even that faith is through Him. We didn't even generate our own faith. God gave it to us as a free gift. And so we boasted nothing except the cross of Jesus. And then, but we also have to guard ourselves against the temptation of giving honor and glory to those who water or those who plant and not to God who gives the increase. Paul says, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're just servants, just spokespeople. But all the glory, all the honor goes to God alone. Don't give honor and glory to a man that belongs only to God. We also have to guard ourselves against putting faith in our knowledge of the Scripture. You know, sometimes we'll go to the Scripture and, and instead of letting the Scripture speak to us, we take our own ideas and our own uh, presuppositions and our own thoughts to the Scripture and try to find validation for what we want to believe and what we want to think. Find proof for what we already believe from the Scripture instead of allowing the Scripture to speak to us and and, and embrace its truth. You know, sometimes we want to go to the Scripture and we want to find a Jesus who doesn't call us to forsake our sin, but will call us at our sin. We want to find a Jesus that will simply make us feel better about ourselves. We'll want to find a triumphant political Savior and not a suffering servant that demands that we repent and forsake our sin and that we surrender all, and that we take up a cross. We die to ourselves and follow Him. And so sometimes we'll go to the Scripture and try to find a, a, a God that's comfortable, and leave out all the things that make us uncomfortable. A God that makes us feel better, and leave out all the things that leave us convicted and broken and, and naked before His glory. Sometimes we're guilty of ignorance because we choose to be ignorant, because we want to interpret the Scripture in a way that makes us feel good. Instead of it shows our wickedness, and the depth of our depravity, and our helplessness, and our hopelessness. We're ignorant, but ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance does not mean innocence, because there's no excuse for our ignorance, because God has spoken. And He's made Himself known to us in the Scripture. And we might be guilty of rejecting the Jesus that is revealed in the Scripture and denying Him because we've created a Jesus according to our own preferences instead of accepting the one that God sent. And so the good news of the gospel begins with the bad news of sin. And He calls us to repent. Repent and be converted. And when we turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus, our sins are blotted up. There is time of refreshing and we look forward to restoration. The good news that we'll unpack in weeks to come. Let's pray together. Lord God, we stand before Your Word humbled. And Lord, we confess we are, we are all guilty of giving too much credit to God People. Too much credit to ourselves. And too much credit to mere instruments, tools in your hand. So, Lord, we pray that you guard us against the temptation of giving glory and honor to humans that belongs only to you. And Lord, we confess, so often we'll go to the Scriptures to try to make ourselves feel better. Instead of going, asking that You would shine the light of Your holiness into the dirty, dark places of our lives and expose those things that we need to confess and forsake and repent of. We're sometimes guilty of creating a Jesus that we like and makes us comfortable and that we hope will coddle us in our sin instead of convict us of our sin and call us to forsake it and leave it. And so, Lord, we pray for Your Spirit to do His work in us, Lord, to expose those things that need to be confessed, repented of and forsaken. Lord, help us to repent and be converted and to walk in ways that are pleasing in Your sight. Lord, help us to be refreshed by Your Spirit. And may You work in us to will and to do according to Your good pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to take your hymnals and turn with me to hymn 400. Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Amen.